Uh, I'm quite happy to be with all of you this morning. Um, it's been a real, real honor to have this opportunity to be with you every like six weeks or so. So I think I'll, I don't know when the next date is, like September. September. Okay, September. I'll be back in September. Um, but yeah, just love uh, being here with you all. Love kind of the, the vibe and your sense of, of who you are as a church. And as I mentioned last time, I'm excited to see what, uh, what God's future is for you as a church, even as you're in this time of uncertainty and, and trusting that, the, that uh, the Lord has the right, right person for you at the right time to come alongside and to lead with Tamil and your, and your leadership team. So thank you very much for having me here. My mind was, was actually consumed during announcement time, and it probably will be on the drive home trying to think of other, other things that rhyme with zip and dip that will go for the folks who just want to arrive and sit. I thought quip maybe, I don't know, chip, if you want to have chips, I don't know. My mind will be consumed by that, so maybe I'll send an email uh, later today with some clever idea. Uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's great. You know, this has been a long, hard haul for all of us. The things that you're experiencing as a church, the challenges uh, through COVID and the disconnection, as well as the numbers, like all of those things, these are not unique to you. Every church everywhere is trying to find, uh, find their way. So I, I hope that's encouraging to you. I know, yeah, it's, it's hard. We've like distanced, we become distanced from one another and trying to figure out. One of the churches I was, I was hearing from just the other day, they're like, we feel like we actually, and this is like, this church been around for a long time. They're like, we feel like we actually almost have to replant in this, uh, in this new season to figure out what our, our way forward is. So anyway, I hope that's, that's encouraging to you all, but I love what I see and what I hear. As, as Tamil mentioned, uh, my name is Ryan Yancey. I'm ministry director with the Ontario Conference of MB Churches. And actually this morning, with my, uh, the theme for my message, you'll maybe get a little bit of a sense of why uh, I'm passionate about our family of churches and excited to be in the role that I am as, uh, as ministry director. One of the things I'm noticing, one of the unique aspects of, of preaching here at Evergreen is I have to like swivel quite a bit. So if I like end up like preaching to these folks and ignore you folks, please don't be offended. I'm going to do my best to kind of make eye contact. But actually, I, I love it that there's a sense of around that we're, we're together and kind of see one another. So anyhow, uh, great to be with you all. This... Uh, the last, last year, our family, we had a, a pet pig. This pet pig's name was uh, Christine Bacon. Short was Crispy Bacon. So it was a lovely little pig, but uh, that pig made its way into our freezer eventually. And so we raised it. I, I built this little shed at the back of our yard because we wanted to have a pretty good distance from our house to raise this, uh, this pig. And so I built this little shed and it was, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't a big shed, six, six feet by eight feet, but I built it with just some scrap lumber I had, some two by sixes, it had uh, steel on it. That's actually, it's partway through construction there. Um, that's the only photo I had of that pen. But then when we finished with our pig and we thought, you know what, this would actually be a really helpful storage shed, we need to move it across the yard up closer to our house. And it was a distance of probably about 150 feet or so to get it from the back of the yard up to the house for a storage shed. And so I'm, I'm thinking, like, how am I going to do this? Like, short of, like, I don't know, getting, like, a couple of skid steers or a loader tract or some kind of a crane. Like, I don't want to spend that kind of money. So what, what am I going to do here? So I hatched a plan. I had a ways to go, but I hatched a plan. And what it was is I had, like, a handyman jack, and then I had a utility trailer on the back of my, my minivan. So I backed my minivan up to it with this trailer. I jacked it up, backed the trailer under the one end, 
And then uh, the intent was to lower it down on that trailer. And then we had like a heavy duty, it was like a kid's wagon, but it was a heavy duty one. I was going to jack up the other end and put it on this trailer. And I was going to pull it across my air up to the house. Not the greatest plan. But I'm a little bit of a, you know, let's just do it and we'll ask questions later kind of guy. We'll see how it goes. We'll improvise as, as we go. And I knew it was a bit of a sketchy plan. It was a fairly heavy shed. And uh, I was like, oh my goodness, like I, got, I have great neighbors on either side. They're, they're fellows who are semi-retired and, and have time to kind of keep an eye on you. <laughs> they're great, they're great, but I knew they were going to come over and offer their opinion. I was like, oh my goodness, I hope they're like busy and I can just like do my own thing here and they'll see it later when it's all set nicely in place. Well, lo and behold, I had the one end jacked up. I was just getting started and the one guy cruises over on his lawn tractor I was like, oh boy. And then the other fellow starts wandering over, and all of a sudden we got a group conversation about how this could happen, and I could tell, totally tell by the look in their eyes, that they thought this was a terrible idea. And so I'm kind of explaining how I'm going to do it, and they're, they're sitting there, and, and very polite, and they're like, did you notice that there's like a tree branch hanging down there, that if you pull this way, like that's probably going to knock it off your trailer? And I'm not too sure, like it looks like it's maybe a little bit wobbly on the trailer, like when you hit that kind of rise in the, in the yard there, like there's a good chance it's actually going to tip off, and we're not too sure that that kid's wagon is going to actually carry the weight of your, <laughs> of your shell. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I knew they were right. I just wanted, to, just wanted to do it and see what would happen. But any, anyway, so the one fellow came up with a plan, and what we did is we had a, uh, a cable, and I wrapped it around my trailer hitch and then fastened it to this, this shed. And then what we did is we took, he gave me some fence posts and we put fence posts under the shed and just rolled it ahead. So you'd roll it six feet and then pull out the other, the other post and, and uh, at, the, at the back, the one that was left behind and bring it back to the front, just six feet by six feet. And it took a little while, but it worked perfect. And I got this shed in place uh, where it needed to be. Uh, both to my joy and my chagrin, I had to swallow my pride a little bit because I thought my plan was pretty good. Anyhow, if, if it would have been left up to me, I would have got going pretty fast, but I wouldn't have gotten all that far. But when I was in communication with others who brought other gifts to the table, I, was the, I had the, the, the enthusiasm and I had the strength. These other fellows, one of them had knee surgery. Like He came over on his riding lawn more for a reason. Uh, the other guy's got a bad back. Like They didn't have the strength, but they had the wisdom and the knowledge that I needed to get the job done. If it was just up to me, I'd have gotten going fast, but I wouldn't have gotten too far. I needed them to join with me in this project, and we were able to go far together. And so that's kind of my invitation to you uh, this morning. As a church, as Evergreen Heights, I want to invite you along the lines with an old proverb, and, and, the, and the origins of this proverb are, are varied. I don't know where it comes from. You can, you can Google it. You'll find three or four different, different theories. Um, but the quote is, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This is applicable to many things in life, but uh, from my vantage point, that's an invitation to join together as churches. Now, I come from the perspective of the Interior Conference of MB Churches. I love our denomination, our church family. And I invite you to join together as a church family that we might go far together. But I also recognize that as I share with you, you are in partnership with many other churches as well. You're in partnership with the churches in, uh, in Simcoe. 
lots of great churches. And actually, credit to you, I was in conversation with someone um, two weeks ago, and this person has some familiarity with your, with your community. Um, yeah, has some awareness of who you are as a church, has interacted with you. And one of the comments that they said was they always admired Evergreen, that within Simcoe, you are a church who has played well, so to speak, with the churches in the area, where some could maybe be a little bit standoffish and not sure about each other. And he said, Evergreen always had this like open heart and this open disposition to the churches in their area. I heard mention of a great organization this morning called Indwell. I'm just getting familiar with them and their work in terms of providing uh, low-income housing, and I think that's a great, that's exciting. That's a prime example of what it looks like for churches to go far together. When you pool your resources, when you pool your relationships, when you pool um, your areas of expertise. And so I want to invite you this morning, I'm going to cast a little bit of a, a vision within ONMB, within your local community, within your broader partnerships this uh, big, beautiful, universal church of Jesus Christ that we would join together so we could not simply go fast alone, but that we would go far together. Along the way this morning, I'm going to be sharing with you three different stories of where I see Jesus at work among our family of churches. And I hope that these will offer some inspiration for you, maybe will offer a little bit of a relational tie and just a better sense of who we are and what we're up to. So the first one I want to share with you is uh, the story of Kyla Sinclair Peters. Kyla grew up in Thailand and uh, as a missionary kid, now she lives in Parkdale, Toronto. And God has called her to be present among a Buddhist minority population there with a heart to see them know Jesus, to find freedom, to find hope, to find a healing in their creator. And so in Parkdale, there is a, a high-density population of this Buddhist minority group. And there's expected, suspected to be 10,000 uh, people of this, of this group within the GTA, and that is the highest density of this population outside of their homeland. And you can probably imagine just for, um, for the need for anon anonymity that I'm not speaking specifically to who that people group is, but it is a, a Buddhist minority group. And they're suspected with these 10,000 um, people that there are only 10 who are followers of Jesus in the GTA. And so Kyla has a heart, as she would express it, to see a disciple-making movement birth out of their cultural context. Within their language, within their cultural practices, what does it look like to follow Jesus? And she shares the story of a young man, 12 years old, and uh, he's a super kind, super kind kid, and he's been connecting with them through some of their, their kids' outreaches and uh, super kind, but he had this sense that everybody hated him. He had a sense of being disliked, of being on the outside. And through their outreach programs, he eventually came to faith in Jesus. And he said, I know that Jesus is real because I sense his presence inside of me. It's kind of cool to hear this 12-year-old kid experiencing the power of his loving creator. However, for him, it involved then this fear of telling his family, this fear that he would be disowned by his family if he decided to follow in the ways of Jesus instead of in his Buddhist practices, which is completely understandable. But he was encouraged by Kyla and others that to follow Jesus did not mean that he would need to disown his cultural practices. 
And so she was able to connect him with a couple of other believers who then prayed over him in their native tongue, within their first language. And that just breathed joy and life and courage in him to see and to hear that this is not just something uh, from an outside culture. It's not just a Western religion. It's not just a a white person's uh, faith, but that it could be expressed in and who he is. And so this young man is growing in his faith. He's becoming a leader, and he's transforming from this kind of cautious, shy, uncertain kid who felt like he was hated by the people around him to be one who is leading his peers into the presence of God. So they had a a kid's activity a couple months back, and he led out in prayer uh, with his peers, which was just a huge step to see him actually publicly express his faith and begin leading others. And so Jesus is changing lives uh, through this ministry of Kyla Sinclair Peters and Multiply. Now, thankfully, there's also been another person who's come along, and I can't use their first name, but has come along and joined uh, as, as a partner in this, uh, in this mission endeavor as well. And so as you hear the story of Kyla and the significant mission work that they're doing there, this is an invitation that we would go far together. Whether it's Kyla's story or someone else's, what does it look like to bless, to support, to cheer on in a whole variety of ways to join together as disciples of Jesus, to join together within our ONMB family or in other circles? And so that's an invitation, if this strikes you, to partner with Kyla. Maybe you could be one of her prayer partners. Maybe you could be one of her financial supporters. Maybe you're aware of somebody who has a heart for uh, Buddhist people, for sharing the gospel that you could connect with her. I'm going to shift now uh, just as a leeway into our text. I want to bring to your attention uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. This is actually one of my, uh, one of my life verses. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. And it says that God's intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God would be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms. So God is saying, you know what? I want to make my wisdom known. I want to make it manifest. I want to put it on display to the rulers, the authorities in the heavenly realms. How did God decide to do that? And honestly, I don't know if this is the plan that I would have chosen, but God's a lot wiser than any of us. And he said, I'm going to do this through the church. Now, we, f- we know full well the church. We're a pretty messy, broken bunch. But he said, I'm going to make my wisdom known through the church, through these people that I'm saving, this family that I'm gathering to myself, people of every tongue, tribe, and nation, people of every socioeconomic class, people of every age, of every gender. These are my people, and as I gather them together around my life, death, and resurrection, this is how I'm going to show my wisdom to the world. And so I trust, and I invite you to trust in this promise of God in the midst of the messiness, in the midst of the chaos, that we would join together as this broader family, that we would go far together. I want to share with you another story about a fellow named uh, David Hood. David Hood has been a church planter in Ottawa. He connected with the MBs through the C2C network, and they planted their church in 2017. Now, if you can imagine uh, planting a church is challenging under normal circumstances. <clears throat> Excuse me. They planted in 2017, and within, uh, I guess, within three years, you know, COVID hit, and they were a, a small church. Certainly uh, challenging for them. But what I admire about Southeast City Church, David and Diana Hood and their team, 
is that in this time when they're fledgling, they're trying to find their way, and it would have been really easy for them to hunker down, to kind of rally the troops, to kind of enter into self-protection mode. How can we make this survive? What they did is they opened themselves up with a posture of blessing to the people around them. You see, leading up to COVID, they had sensed this, this call from God, not just to try and draw people into their building, but to go out and to be the presence of Jesus. And there's a, a, a low-income neighborhood right next to them, some, some high-density living known as Russell Gardens. And they'd been hosting meals and games nights and connection points and just simply being present over and over. Nothing flashy, not coming in with a big bang and, and then you know, stepping back out, but just consistent, faithful presence. But then when COVID hit, as you well know, that really challenged the opportunity for those connection points. They didn't know what to do, and they were seeking God, like, how can we be your presence in this place? And it was at that point that uh, they had a request from the community housing situation. They said, listen, like, we are experiencing food insecurity, excuse me, as many were, and it's too far for our people to get to the nearest food bank hub. Would you lead us in establishing a food bank? And so they did that. They were given a room within this, uh, this, this high-rise building. And uh, so they just they set up a food bank. And so they, they launched with, uh, there was a counselor from their, their area of the city of Ottawa. There was uh, one of the directors for Ottawa Community Housing, this uh, pastor and the person who ran the building, and they're all there cutting, cutting the red tape and whatever, and, and they started this food bank, and it offered this connection point with the people in this community. It wasn't about how can we do our online presence as best as we can, which they did, we all did, that's important, but that wasn't their only focus. It was how can we be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. Now, the beautiful part of this story, actually, so I'm, I preached a sermon this uh, same sermon with one of our churches in January. And, and as the story has developed, um, so I'm adding this in, as the story developed, because of that faithful presence um, coming out of COVID, the community said, you know what? We have lost 20 people in our community. This was in the, in the housing complex in Russell Gardens. We've lost 20 people, a variety of things, some just natural deaths, some cancer, a couple COVID, COVID deaths, as well as some overdoses. They said, we've lost 20 people. We haven't had the chance to mourn together. They said, David, would you come and lead a memorial service? And he said, yeah, I'd be happy to. I said, you know, you're asking a Christian pastor, like, I'm gonna talk about Jesus if I do that. And they said, yeah, like, we'd, we'd love that. Like, come. And so he did the memorial service. And, uh, and people were very responsive. And someone said, you know what, David, one of the Reds were like, we need you to do this on a regular basis. Like, would you, like, do services or do your thing. We want to hear about Jesus. And he said, I'd love to. He said, just so you know, like that request, that has to come from you as a community to your housing director. If they're cool with it, uh, I'm open. So that's very much in process. And so they're, they're, they're working at that. And he said, we're happy. But what it was is this community seeing the hope and the love of Jesus and saying, we, we need more of that. An interesting side story is that someone in that community uh, who had always been standoffish, had always been kind of grumpy, but they came to the food bank every week, hard to engage in conversation. But then when they ended up in the hospital on their deathbed through some surprising circumstances in COVID, you could have limited uh, visitors in the hospital, as you well know. Who's the one person that they called to come to their bedside? It was Diana Hood, um, part spouse of, of David. It was Diana, and she sat there, and she prayed over them and, and sang some hymns and read scripture with them, and they were inviting that and asking for that. Um, this lonely individual who is experiencing hope. So I share that as another story of the things that God is stirring. And I know that you at Evergreen, you have your stories of how God is at work and how God is blessing people, pouring out his presence 
through you. So another corner of our ONMB family. I'm going to invite you now to turn to 1 Corinthians 16. I'm not going to read through the whole chapter. I'm going to touch on a number of verses along the way. Uh, this, this is kind of a random chapter. I would not be shocked at all if you've actually never heard a, uh, a sermon preached from this chapter. It doesn't have a central theme. Um, it's kind of a, a, a seemingly random collection of uh, at the close of 1 Corinthians of Paul just kind of little snippets of advice. He's caring, tending to a few details. He's a couple of personal greetings. And, but what we see, I think, is an example of the church of Jesus going far together. That as he was speaking into and offering counsel to their local church community, he's also indicating that they have this network of relationships that they're supporting one another and walking through life together. So I think it's a beautiful image of what it could look like for us to go far together. Now, at this point, the gospel of Jesus was growing throughout the empire of Rome. There were people who uh, were uh, rejecting Caesar, the ruler of the Roman Empire. They said, he is not my lord, as the empire expected of them. He's not my king. He does, my allegiance is not to him. My allegiance is to Jesus, to my creator, the God who came to live among us, to give his life on our behalf, to rise from the dead, to ascend with the Father, to rule over the nations. Jesus is my king. And people were finding hope. And in quite a surprising fashion, the church of Jesus was growing and expanding throughout the Roman Empire. In the midst of all this, the Apostle Paul was out and about. Uh, he was on the leading edge. Apostle means a sent out one. He was seeing where the gospel could advance. He was seeing where the church could grow in new towns and new cities. He was raising up leaders. He was on the, fronting ed on the front edge of the church growing as more and more people met Jesus. But as he's traveling, sharing Jesus, establishing churches, it's very clear that Paul has this vision that the churches would be pulling together. That churches pulling together, going far together for the sake of the gospel. It's clear that that was a value for him. And so we look to 1 Corinthians 16. The first glimpse that we get is that Paul has a sense that in going far together, the churches would practically support one another that the churches would practically support one another, tending to physical needs. And so I direct you to chapter 16, verse 1. It says, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come to make, so when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve, and I will send them with your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, they will accompany me. So we've got the church in Jerusalem. This is the original church. This is where uh, much of Jesus' ministry is from. This is where he was crucified and resurrected. This is where the church started, the first people who gathered around this belief that Jesus had risen from the dead. So they're the mother church. Now the church in Corinth is a Gentile church. Jews and Gentiles didn't really get along, and they were in the middle of some hard conversations about what did it mean to follow Jesus as Jews and as Gentiles. That was not an easy relationship. And yet at that time, there was a significant famine that was affecting the area of Palestine, was affecting the church in Jerusalem, they were having a hard time. They were struggling to make ends meet, to put food on the table. 
the believers in Corinth, which were hundreds of miles away, which had this cultural difference. I don't know, like they, they you know, I, I can track with churches on Instagram and kind of see what they're up to. I don't know what the church in Corinth knew about the church in Jerusalem. They didn't have photographs to see what was up. They couldn't see, like, they couldn't just send, like, a video. Like, they pretty much probably had to go with Paul and a few others being like, oh, yeah, like, we come from this church over here. Maybe they send a letter every couple years. I, I don't know. They couldn't have known each other well. And Paul is saying, part of your duty is to support them. They're in a hard time. You guys are doing okay. I'm calling you to go far together by supporting the church at this time. What does it look like for us as churches? Whether it's churches within OMB, within Simcoe, within the province of Ontario, the global church, to live with this posture that we would care for one another when we're hurting. Kind of a neat story along these lines is you're probably aware of the significant flooding that they had in the lower mainland of British Columbia, in the Abbotsford, uh, Chilliwack area, the Sumas Prairie. And so they had significant flooding. One of our MB churches, Arnold Community Church, they had huge flooding within their basement. Uh, so the basement was like, yeah, obviously in pretty rough shape, need a lot of work, they need everything cleared out. At the same time, they were a social hub within their broader community that was being affected by the flooding. And so they turned with an outward posture toward their community to bless and support and to provide resourcing and kind of a hub for, uh, for the flood relief as their fellow churches came alongside and looked after their basement situation. And so it was actually this like, hey, we're, we're dry, we're doing okay. How can we help you and support you and actually enable you then to bless your community? A beautiful example of what it looks like to assist one another, to go far together in the area of physical needs. Verse 6, I invite you to turn to that section next. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 6, it says, Perhaps I will stay with you for a while or even spend the winter so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. So Paul's roaming around. That, that's quite the life, right? Like he, I mean, he was getting shipwrecked. He was getting beaten and chased out of town. Like I, I can't even imagine, uh, I can't imagine life like that. He was, he was grinding it out on the leading edges of the growth of the church. And he needed support. He needed a base where he could be safe and be cared for. And so he invites the church in Corinth. He says, I will stay with you for a while so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. Building that relationship with the church because he needed their support. I imagine that in the church of Corinth, as is the case here, that there were people who were, they were business people. Maybe they were teachers. Maybe they were healthcare workers. Maybe they were parents. Like folks who just couldn't, you know, pick up at the drop of a hat and go off and share the gospel in a new region. They were at home, you know, I'm sure that they were living out the gospel where they were, but they didn't have that capacity. But they had the resources, they had the money, they had the homes, they had the kind words, they had that community of support that could release and send out Paul. And so maybe this is a part of what God is calling us to. And I know that you are living this out already as a sending base, as a relational support for those who go out, supporting those who are sent out. Churches do this all the time. I actually did a quick little scan of your, on your website. It indicates who your mission partners are. And I just want to say thank you. Like, I, I love it. There's some Youth for Christ. I didn't, I didn't memorize their names, but there's some Youth for Christ workers that you guys support and send out. Um, there's, there's uh, I know that Joanna, now I don't, I've only read her last name, Farazin. Okay. Joanna Farazin and her husband that you've supported them and sent them out. Um, Jeremy and Adrian Penner. 
that you sent them out. Uh, there's someone else, Robert Nantison. Yeah, and as, even as, as they're adjusting now to life back in Canada, like you guys are blessing them, you're supporting them, you're cheering them on because as we send people out to share the good news of Jesus, they need that support. They need to know that they're not alone. They need to know that people have their backs. And so in the same way that the church in Corinth had Paul's back, that's a part of us going far together. Any of these mission workers, you know what? They could probably launch out for a year or two without someone at home supporting them. Maybe I mean, finances might be an issue, but aside from finances, they, they, could, they could go probably pretty far alone. Or sorry, they could go fast alone. But when you think of the long-term fruit of the church of Jesus, for them to go far for the gospel to go forth over the long-term, healthy communities to be formed, they need that support. And so I love it. I love it. Like, I love seeing that you're already up, up to that. And this is an invitation to continue to dig in because God is up to good stuff. And together, we can go far with Jesus. I'm glad Multiply, our missions organization, facilitates a lot of that. And as I've already noted, I know that you're connected with other great organizations as well. Another piece that we see with this vision of going, for, going far together is the idea of raising up leaders. So verse 10 of chapter 16 says, When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. No one then should treat him with contempt. Send him on his way in peace so that he may return to me. I'm expecting him along with the brothers." So Timothy, he's kind of the key guy that Paul was investing in, that Paul was mentoring, that Paul was uh, inviting to follow into his steps as an apostle, as one who was kind of overseeing, you know, encouraging, planting new churches. One of the things we see in the New Testament is that Timothy was a bit of a timid fellow. I don't know exactly what that meant, but he probably had the gifting and the call, but he'd walk into situations like, oh, I don't know if I should be here, I don't know if I have anything to say, like, I know this person over here doesn't like me, so maybe I should just kind of stand in the corner and see what happens. And Paul's like, no, like, I see this gifting. Like, go for it, Timothy. God has called you, lead my people. But Timothy was unsure of himself. And so Paul is inviting the church in Corinth to join together with Timothy, to gather Timothy, to gather around him and to release him, to send him out, to bless him, to encourage him. And so as we go far as churches together, that also is our, our calling, to send out uh, leaders, to raise up leaders, to bless them and encourage them. I know that Tamil's been on staff here for a while, but from what I gather, this has been a part of her story that you as a church have called and raised up Tamil as a leader. I understand you knew, like you've been a part of the church since you were a kid? Teenager? Yeah, teenager, awesome. Um, that's like, that's a really beautiful thing. You need to know that in terms of raising up leaders in your mix and cheering them on, supporting them and encouraging them. And then for us in OMB, and I probably said this last time, we, I think I did because you were away, so I told them that you're awesome. Um, you know, we're looking, we're like, oh, like, like Tamil's such a gifted leader, and we see this calling, but that's because you as a community have encouraged her. You've raised her up. So that's a part of going far together. My own journey as a pastor started when a nearby church, the pastor there was like, hey, like I see God's call in your life. Would you come and do an internship with me? Just shadow, shadow me for four months. I'll give you exposure to the whole range of opportunities, and I'll ask good questions to clarify your call. And that church gathered around me, they cheered me on, and they raised me up as a young leader. And then I went on to pastor there for a number of years later on down the road. But it, I, I'm a product of a church choosing 
to invest in me, to raise me up as, as a leader. We see that with Timothy and the church in Corinth. How else might God be calling you to raise up leaders? Who is it that's sitting here? One of the things I love, actually, you know, when we think about this, we might think of like, oh, like who are the teenagers with the gifting that will, you know, we'll send them off to whatever, Bible college or who knows what, and we'll, maybe they'll become a leader in the church. But I also love seeing people for whom that's like a second career shift too. Maybe there are folks sitting here who God has a call to lead among his people, and it just needs that encouragement, that support, that raising up by you as a church. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so part of going far together is raising up, uh, raising up leaders. Within our MB family, ways that you can partner in that, would, we have uh, something called Leaders Collective, and it's geared toward young adults, 22 to 28. You may have heard of that from Tamil because I know she's been involved in years past, but it's designed for those who graduated from university or maybe they went to trade school. They've got a few years of school or work under their belt, and they're in this place of like, what does life as an adult look like? How can I grow as a leader? And so we take them through a, an eight to 10 month process where we just pour into them, we cheer them on, we coach them, and then release them or, or build them up as leaders. So that's, that's an area. We've got other organizations, Columbia Bible College, MB Seminary partners with uh, partnerships with Tyndale. Um, next weekend, this is with a younger age category, but we've got SOAR. So that's when we, uh, it's going to be happening in Waterloo Region this time around. Oftentimes it's in Montreal, but bringing youth together and just inviting them into places where they can experience the Holy Spirit, inviting them into places where they are kind of like pushed beyond what feels comfortable to, to be worshiping in public and actually uh, sharing Jesus with people around them. Uh, that's a program with, with Multiply. But joining together to raise up leaders is a part of going far together. Two more pieces I want to touch on. Uh, one would be mutual learning. So if we look at verse 16. Sorry, one second. <laughs> uh, verse 16 says, You know the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia, and they've devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. And I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people and to everyone who joins in the work and labors at it. This call to submission. This call to learning from one another. It's not a matter of coming and saying, I've got it figured out and, and uh, I'm just going to tell all you how this works. It's actually this entering into, as churches, this relationship where we learn from one another. So one of the interesting things about uh, one of the, the people mentioned here that this verse is referring to is a guy named Fortunatus. Fortunatus was a Greek name that was, a, it was often used for former slaves, freed slaves. So if you saw the name Fortunatus, you're like, aha, this person is a freed slave. So we don't know for certain, but understanding how that name was most often used in the Greek context, we can infer there's a high likelihood that this fellow that Paul's referring to was a, free, a freed slave. This is awesome. Like Paul is asking the church to submit to, to learn from someone who was a freed slave. This was not common within their society. Like this is Jesus, the way of Jesus, totally unset, unsettling, turning upside down the social order um, of his people. For perhaps a business person or maybe uh, a philosopher to hear that they actually need to learn from and submit to someone who had been a slave was a real mind warp. But that's that invitation to learn together, to go far together as churches. God has things he wants to say to you as Evergreen through other churches. Maybe it's through the Pentecostal church here in town or the Baptist church 
I don't know if there's a Pentecostal Baptist church. That's probably a safe assumption. I don't know. <laughs> through other churches, the Christian Reformed Church, like God has stuff that he wants to say to you through other churches across ONMB as well. And God also wants to speak things into his people through you. An example of that would be at my former church, Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite. There was a little bit of kind of wondering of, you know, there's a facility and we're like, maybe we should use this, this as, a, as a daycare. Like we actually have the facility that would, would fit really well for that. And we're like, hey, like we should talk to Evergreen because that's kind of their deal and they've done a great job with it. Um, I, I don't, since I moved on, I don't know where talks are with that. I think uh, it was just kind of some elementary wondering. I'm not sure if God's leading them into that, but that's just an example of like, hey, like there are other churches who have expertise in this area that we need to learn from. Just one example, but adopting this posture of mutual learning so that we would go far together. Another example would be actually, uh, Brent Easy came to me. He was like, hey, like I'm in this setting working alongside a lot of migrant workers. Like, do you know of anybody? This was the first time I preached here. He's like, do you know of anybody who I could maybe connect with who's like living out the good news of Jesus within the setting? I was like, yes, let's talk. And so there are a couple other churches in this area, three other churches. And so we jumped on Zoom one night and just to share our stories and to learn, build that relationship, that mutual learning so that we can go far together. And then the last piece that I want to highlight here Sorry, I'm getting all, uh, just give me a moment here. Yeah, so that's the mutual learning piece. Uh, two more, actually, the receiving diverse gifts. Verse 17 says, I was glad when Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus arrived because they had supplied what was lacking from you. So the Corinthians, they didn't have it all together. They didn't have what was needed to fully support Paul, even though they, they were in some really helpful ways. They didn't have every, everything he needed. So Paul's like, I'm really glad there's these other guys over here that can kind of round it out. They're good at some of the stuff that I need that you're not. Um, and so the same with you folks at Evergreen. Like there's some things that you're really good at. One of them is that daycare uh, ministry. I've observed that your online presence is, is great. So maybe there's other churches that need to learn uh, from that. Maybe it's even your resiliency. I know it's been a hard road. I actually really admire your resiliency over the last couple of years. Your resiliency, even as, as uh, Pastor Jeff has moved on to WMB, like that, challenging times. I admire resiliency. Maybe that's something that you have to offer uh, to other churches, a part of that diverse gifting. And then the last one is this idea of mutual encouragement. So verses 18 and 19 give a little bit of insight into that. 18 and 19, uh, so Paul is saying that these three individuals, they refreshed my spirit and yours also. Such men deserve recognition. And then verse nine, the churches in the province of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla greet you warmly in the Lord and so does the church that meets at their house. All the brothers and sisters here send you greetings. They greet one another with a holy kiss and then he goes on for a few more things. Um, Cultural differences, I think, are, are handshake or a warm hug maybe is the equivalent of their, of their holy kiss. Um, but this idea of encouraging one another. Encouragement is huge. Like as individuals, we often feel down. And it just like, it means so much when someone comes along. It's like, I see what you're up to. I love it. Or, hey, I really appreciate that you did this. Or God, the personality God has given you really shone through in this instance. Or like, I, I'm with you. I love you. I care about you. We're in this no matter what. Like that, that really is wind in the sails for the week ahead. And so it is with churches on the whole. And so I hope, I don't know if you feel discouraged right now, but I want you to hear, hear me say, like, I love what I see. I love the feel when I'm with you all in the, in the room here. Uh, I love how, you know, Tamil's leading. I love your resiliency. Just some beautiful stuff. I hope that's encouraging to you. And we need to be in this place 
as churches with one another to speak those words of encouragement. What does that look like for you in the days ahead? Maybe it is you send a note to your your uh, Youth for Christ workers, or maybe I don't know what this. You're gathering supplies or something related to Indwell. Maybe the facilitator for that. You just like you, you, next time you see them, be like, "Hey, like I love what you're up to. I'm so thankful to God for you." Because we need that mutual encouragement. Maybe you send a note to uh, Joanna Farrison and her family and say, "Want to bless you? I'm so encouraged by your faith." What does it look like for us to be a people who encourage? one another. Whose spirit, as Paul put it, they refresh my spirit. Whose spirit can you refresh today within your family, but then beyond your family so that together we might go far together. The fact of the matter is you could probably get more done in the next 12 months if you only focus on Evergreen Heights Church. You probably could get more done. You could maybe be more immediately fruitful, more efficient, more focused. But for the long haul, for the health the fruitfulness of you as a church, you will not be as healthy and fruitful if you turn inward and only focus on what's going on here. That you will receive what you need to be fruitful for the long haul when you look outward to the broader church, whether it's O&MB or your other partnerships, that you could journey and go far together. I want to highlight one more story, and that's the story of Obed Rod. Obed Rod is with the Jesus Network He's one of our credentialed pastors. Uh, they're partnered with ONMB. He's partnered with a few other denominations, but us as well. And uh, Obed Rod is an Afghan pastor. And I imagine that uh, all, most, if not all of you, were just like watching the news last August with the, uh, the withdrawal of Western forces and then the, the Taliban takeover of Kabul. Um, I imagine you were just dumbfounded and, and overwhelmed and deeply, deeply concerned. Um, Obed is someone who, because of his access within that country, is leading significant response in caring for people coming out of that significant challenge. And, and so Obed was born into Islam. He was trained under an Islamic group, a radical group. He was preparing to be a, uh, an imam and would say, yeah, he was very radicalized. And, but then he met Jesus in quite a surprising fashion. He gave his life to Jesus but that also meant that he had to go undercover. And so he lived in secret with his faith for four years. He proceeded to escape to India. He planted an Afghan church in India because there were a lot of refugees there. He came to Canada in uh, 2015. He's planted what is known to be the first Afghani church in Canada. There are a few others kind of popping up. They've got another fellow now in Kitchener-Waterloo who's leading a, a church there. And they recently just had another pastor come and join him um, a pastor who, I'm not exact, an Afghani pastor that was in kind of one of the refugee areas. I'm not sure if it was India or Turkey, but he's now come. And, uh, and, and so the gospel is, uh, is growing through these individuals in the Afghani community. But what Obed is able to do is he's able to, through his connections, um, to provide opportunities for refugees. And so he was involved in providing uh, financial support to 70 families in Afghanistan to help them survive after the Taliban takeover. He played a key role in evacuating 571 Afghanis, 271 of whom were believers, to various refugee camps outside the country. Um, he helped another 130 Afghani believers uh, escape to a, British to a British organized camp, and he has sponsored eight Afghani families through the Jesus Network uh, who are coming to Canada, and they're coming in waves. And it was just about two weeks ago that the latest family uh, came. So we have this brother who is doing significant work for the kingdom of Jesus. 
But he needs that, that support. He needs that kind of cheering on. He needs that prayer. He needs, and, and honestly, he needs finances too. It's not cheap to bring people over from Afghanistan. We see in the news, we're like, how can I, you know, how can I help? This is a crazy situation, and this is actually a way that we can go further together. Um, if you want to connect at all with the Jesus Network and, and Pastor Obed, feel free to reach out to myself or even through Tamia. We can get you the information that you need, or just look up the Jesus Network. I'll Google it. The Jesus Network, GTA or uh, .ca, I'm not exactly sure. We'll get you the information. Uh, but this is, this is like kingdom stuff, and Obed's just grinding. And so there's this lady named Haley Cuthill, her and her husband, Sean. They run the Jesus Network, and she's like, God's doing amazing things through Obed. I'm actually super concerned about him because he hardly sleeps because he's just so busy doing all this stuff. I carry aspirin in my purse all the time because I'm afraid he's going to have a heart attack. And she's kind of joking but kind of serious. But we have this brother who's doing incredible things for the glory of Jesus in the midst of incredible human suffering, being the presence and the peace of Jesus. And so we ask this question, how can we go far together? How can we bless what he's up to so that the kingdom of Jesus may come more fully on earth as it is in heaven? And so I offer this invitation to you. And it's easy to think, well, yeah, as evergreen, we should go farther together. That's up to Tamil and the, the leaders your elders or your council, maybe whoever the new pastor is, like that'll be their job. But I'm actually going to invite you as an individual. What does it mean for you to decide that you want to go far together? Within OMB, with your partner churches in your community, other organizations, what does it mean to go far together, to be in relationship, to bless, to support, to know, to refresh the spirits of those around you? Because I believe that Evergreen Heights has much to offer the Church of Jesus. God has gifted you. God has given your church a personality that's unique and needed within his kingdom. And so I urge you, in this time of transition and uncertainty, please don't hunker down and become self-focused. Like I said, you might get more done in the next 12 months, uh, but for long-term fruitfulness and vision, uh, that will not be helpful. Don't hunger down and become self-focused, but embrace this calling and this vision. And it's, we know about Jesus today The good news of Jesus made its way to our family lines, to our areas of civilization, because Paul lived this vision out with the churches in that time. It was this going far together that enabled the church to grow so it didn't just die out in Palestine. It didn't just die out in in Asia Minor. So I invite you, what does it look like for you to lean in and to go far together, to hear the stories, to send the money, to pray for, to be learning from, and also speaking into the realities of other churches. God didn't intend you to live out your faith as an individual. God didn't intend Evergreen Heights to live out your faith just as one little kind of tight-knit community. He has called you to live into the way of Jesus in partnership with his people, locally, provincially, nationally, globally, for the sake of the good news. So I invite you to step into this vision of going far together for the glory of Jesus. Let's uh, take a moment to pray. God, we thank you that we, we know who you are. We know your story. Jesus, we've experienced you because the people who've come before us decided to go far together. Because they worked together for uh, your glory. 
for the growth of your church, the coming of your kingdom, and, and we are recipients of that. And so together we say thank you. God, I pray that you would bless Evergreen Heights in this time that they're in. I pray that you would encourage them. God, I pray that their spirit would be refreshed. Whatever they're feeling right now, whatever they're hoping for, that their spirit would be refreshed, that they would know that you are present here with them, that they would know that you have a calling and a purpose, that you have a future for them as a church, and that you are pouring out your blessing in Simcoe, in Ontario, across OMB. You're pouring out globally. You're pouring out your blessing through them. And so I pray that you'd fill them with your spirit. I pray that you'd give them a vision, every individual. What does it look like to go forward, uh, to go far together? So we ask that you would inspire us, that you would sustain us in this vision, and all of it to your glory, Jesus, and to the coming of your kingdom. Uh, thank you for your peace and your goodness. We pray that you'd pour it out into the world uh, through us. So bless these people, guide us through the remainder of today, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to form us uh, according to your word from 1 Corinthians 16. Uh, Jesus, we pray. Amen.